Josh, one of the pastors, and uh, today we're wrapping up our series called Future Family. And when we started this six weeks ago, um, we asked a simple question, and I want to ask it to us again as we, as we wrap up, because I think it's a really important question. And, and it's simply this, what is the goal of family? What's the goal of family and relationships? This is where, if you remember, if you were here six weeks ago, this is where we started. And I think it's, sometimes it's easy for us to see the goal of the family we grew up in, it's easy for us to look back and see, you know, kind of what our parents did and, and, and judge them, you know, like we do, and critique them, um, and, and look back and, and wonder, man, you know, I wish my parents would have done something differently. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're a parent, you're, and maybe you're older, your kids are out of the house, and so you look back and you think, oh, I wonder if we did the right things. I wonder if we made the right choices. Or maybe you're starting out in your family and you think, man, I wonder if we're going to make the right choices. You know, we're going to make the wrong choices. You know, and, and it's easy for us to, to miss the goal of family. But, but here's the reality of goals. And this is really important for today. All of us, in every relationship we have, have a goal. You have a goal with your relationship at work with your boss, with your coworkers. You have a goal with, you know, your, your teacher. If you're a student, you have a goal for all of your friendships at school. Every relationship we have... We have a goal for it. it. It might just be to have fun with that person. Um, maybe right now your goal in your marriage is to just not fight with your spouse. But all of us have a goal. And the thing about our goals are we make decisions and go after our goals whether we realize it or not. And, and so as we, as we wrap up this series, here's the question I want us to wrestle with today. In your life and relationships, are you going after the right goals? Are you going after the right thing? Now, here's how I want us to think about it. I want to ask you for a moment to close your eyes, okay? I want to ask you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine somewhere out into the future, the end of your life. Now, for some of us, that, that's a little bit closer than others. But I want you to imagine for a moment that bedside in the hospital or that funeral service, who, who's there? for your funeral service? Who's sitting in the hospital room with you? What does it look like? When the family gathers after your service, what are the stories that they tell? What does it feel like? Are there good stories? Are there stories of regret? Is there laughter and and joy as people share memories, or is there silence and heartache? What's it look like? You can open your eyes, but as you think about that, here, here's the thing about that moment in all of our lives, is that you and I have all been to funerals, and we've all sat at bedsides of people. And a few different things happen in those moments. A few different things play out. I, re I remember sitting with different families over the years as, as I've done funerals. And I remember sitting with one family in particular, and, and I didn't know the family really well. 
And so I went into the room as they were planning the funeral service, and I said, hey, tell me, tell me about your dad. And it was silence. And, I said, and so no one said anything, and so I said, you know, hey, are there any stories, any memories that, you know, that you guys remember? And nothing. And finally, one of the kids, he's in his early 20s, spoke up, and he said, you know, my dad loved to make salsa. I want you to think about this for a moment. I bet that when somebody said to him, when he thought about his last day and he thought about his funeral and the stories that people would tell, I bet you he had a picture in his mind and it was not that. He would have said, people are going to remember that I love them, that I cared for them. See, here's what happens in our lives is we'll say, you know, relationships and friendships matter to me. Community matters to me. And then we pack our schedule with work, with hobbies that don't involve other people. We tell our kids, hey, I'm proud of you. You're so important to me. And then we don't go to their stuff. See, what happens in life is eventually your goals that you have deep in your heart creep out. And then I've sat at funerals where people would talk about sacrifice. And people would say just incredible stories of character and love and, and people being there and how, how they showed what mattered most to them. And, and here's the problem in life and relationships. It's really this. What we say we want and what we go after are often two different things. What we say we want and what we go after in life and relationships are often two different things. You can say that you want to get out of debt, but then you keep buying things you can't afford. Right? You can say that you want to lose weight and be healthy, and then you keep eating three desserts every single night. You can say that you want a healthy marriage focused with God at the center and never pray together as a couple. You can say it matters so much that my kids know and love Jesus and never once have a spiritual conversation with them. And just say, well, you know what? Hopefully they'll figure it out. See, and one of the things that, that, is, that I've seen in every single life and relationship, and, and you've seen this too, you know this to be true, is every life and every relationship ends up somewhere. Somehow it plays out. Whatever your goal is, it will come out. And so here, here's my goal as we wrap up today, as we wrap up this series. One, if you don't have kids, let me speak to you if you don't have kids. Okay, if you don't have kids, I want you to see the role that you play in the, in the lives of other people as more important than what you think it is. You play an important role that you often diminish. You may think, well, I don't, I don't have kids, so I don't know that this, that this is for me. The reality is, is that you play a drastically important role in the lives of the next generation. It is not marginal at all. If your kids are grown, whether you loved how they turned out or not, your role as a parent isn't over. Okay? God's not done writing the story of your life or your family's life or your grandkids' life. The influence that you have as a parent the older you get, doesn't end, it just changes. 
It's just different. And here's my goal if you have, parents, if you have kids. Is I want you to be really clear about what you're going after. You might think you are, but you might not be going after the right thing. So what is the goal of a family and relationships? What's the goal of life? Moses tells us in Deuteronomy 6, it says this. It says, this is the command, the statutes and ordinances. The Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands I'm giving you, your son and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. Okay, so here's the context. The nation of Israel has spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt. Okay, that's the story of Exodus. Moses comes, is sent by God to bring the people out of slavery. Okay, and, and, and they journey to the promised land. God says, I'm bringing you out of slavery to a land that you will possess. But because this generation doesn't follow after God, okay, the, the generation that comes out of Egypt, they don't enter into the land. They don't enter into the promised land. Okay, a whole generation dies off. And so Moses, as he gets ready to enter the promised land, Moses doesn't get to even enter the promised land. He only gets to see it. And so he brings the, the people of God together. This, this is really important, especially as you think about being older in life and, and maybe wondering what's left or maybe thinking, man, you know what, I'm, I messed up and I can't go back and fix it, okay? Moses can't go back and change what he did and enter into the promised land. And yet, he's not done helping other people get what he didn't get, Okay? This is really important as you think about your pain as, as a parent or, or as an empty nester or somebody older in life or maybe your pain, you know, as you've navigated through life not being married or broken relationships. Your pain can be the fuel for the future of what God wants to do. It's not over. And so Moses stands before the people of God and he gives them this command and he says, fear the Lord your God all the days of your life. Moses says, teach yourselves, teach the next generation. Not just teach them, but, but so they know it. This is important. When you teach somebody, what happens? They don't always get it. They don't always understand it. I mean, you've taught people stuff, and they don't get it. They ignore what you have to say. Your parents tried to teach you things, and you looked at them and thought, I know more than you do. Your teenagers have looked at you like you're the dumbest person they've ever met. Just because you teach somebody doesn't mean they're going to get it. Your kids and your grandkids, they're not always going to get it. You're going to do the best that you can. And you can't control the results of it. And if that's you, let me, let me say this. Because one of the things I've heard from, from so many people over this past year, sitting in small groups, is just the heartbreak of raising kids who don't follow Jesus. And here's one of the things that we'll often say is when our kids don't turn out the way that we hoped or they don't follow Jesus like we wanted, we'll say, you know, well, well maybe, you know, God, God's going to do something in their life. And that's true. But what if, what if God wants to do something in your life as a parent through your child that's not following Jesus? What if it's not just about your kid? 
What if it's also about you? What if it's about some things that God wants you to know? And some things that God needs to teach you through the brokenness of what your kids are doing. It's not just about your kids. It's not just about your grandkids. But what if there's something in the heartbreak that God wants to meet you in? And so Moses says, when you teach your kids, he tells them the point of the family. Look what he says. He says, it's not just about you and your kids. See, this is how we think about it as parenting. We just think it's about our kids. But Moses says, you teach your, he says, I'm giving it to you. Then you give it to your son, who gives it to your grandson. See, one of the things that we've seen in this series is that the Bible, when it talks about family relationships, it speaks generationally. If you remember a couple weeks ago where Moses talked about how the generations of three to four generations. See, as families, as a church, we have lost our generational mindset. We have lost it. And the Bible, the Bible speaks generationally. And so if we're going to live as, as families and we're going to be a church, we need to think generationally. It is not just for you as a parent about your kids. It is about generations that you will never meet. If you're a parent, it's about your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. If you're, if you're single, it's about the people that God has placed around you, the influence that you have, the family that you have created through friends. See, we're going to talk more about this next week in our, in our series, The Life-Giving Church. But this is really important for us to think through as a church. We need to have a generational mindset as a church. You know, one of the things that, that has just astounded me as I've driven around New England, so we've been here about a year and a half now, and, and it's amazing. In, in New England is the most unchurched region in America. Okay, every list of the unchurched cities in America and the top 10 unchurched cities in America, New England's at the top. It's above Seattle, it's above Portland, it's above San Francisco and San Jose, it's above Las Vegas. Every unchurched city, the top of the list is New England. And do you know what you see when you drive around New England? Churches, they're everywhere. I mean, they're, and they're beautiful. I mean, they're unbelievably beautiful churches. But do you know what's, what's happening in those churches? They're tourist places. They're, they're preschools. There's offices in there. Do you know what's not in churches? Churches. Churches aren't in churches. Do you know, do you know why? Because somewhere along the way, that group of people decided it's about us and not the next generation. And it's easy. It's easy to do it as a church. Because do you know what you don't like? And I don't like it either. I don't like what the next generation likes. And you don't either. We don't like their music. I don't, I, I don't understand how my kids talk. I don't understand the words that they use. I don't know what vibing means. And, you know, I, I, don't, I have no idea. Half the things my kids say, I'm like, I don't, what are you even talking about? Did you just swear at me? I don't know. But it's easy as a church. It's easy as a church to make it about us. It's easy as a church to say, I like it that way. But do you know what happens to a church that doesn't make millennials, Gen Z, and Gen Alpha, which is the generation born after 2010? 
Do you know, do you know what happens if that's not a priority in 25, 30 years? Do you know what? Your church is a tourist attraction or a law office. And, and don't miss this. this. This may surprise you. But in the year that I've been here, I've had four realtors call me and ask me if we want to sell our property. And they don't want to put a church here. And you may think, but that's not going to happen to us. That wouldn't happen to our family. That wouldn't happen to our church. Our church will be here 100 years from now. Do you know all the churches you visit in Boston? They thought that. I mean, people bought pews in the, in the Boston churches. They had like their own cubicle, you know, with a door on it and everything, with a plaque with their name on it. You don't think that they bought that and thought, this is going to be here forever. My family's going to stay here for generations. I'm putting my name on it. So here's the question. And I love how Pastor Andy Stanley asked this. He says, what is the faith of your grandchildren worth? What is the faith of your children worth? I mean, think about it. What, what's the faith of your grandchildren worth? What's the faith of the next generation worth? And the answer is everything. Everything. See, too many parents, too many churches do not think the faith of the next generation is worth everything. And listen, it's easy. It's easy, you know, the older you get to just go, I, I just don't understand the next generation. They don't want to talk to me. I can't relate to them. I'm too old for them. I remember when I was a student pastor, if you, if you think you're too old for the next generation, if you think you're too old for students and kids, I remember when I was a student pastor 20 years ago, I came across a study, and I can't remember which, which school did it, but they, they, asked, they wanted to find out who is it that students gravitate towards in life. And do you know what they found? They found it's not the cool guy with, with like the van and the guitar. It, it's not, you know, the athletic person. It's not the hipster, you know, who can make really great pour-over coffee like they make at Dunkin' Donuts. It's not that person. Do you know who it is? Students, teenagers, will gravitate towards the oldest person who will take them seriously. The oldest person who will take them seriously. That's generational mindsets. So the moment that you think, okay, the moment that you think, you know, I'm in my 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and, and got, you know, I'm done, who, what can I do? Your influence has only just begun. The question is, are you going to actually use it? Or are you going to sit on it? Are you going to use the wisdom that you have? Are you going to use the life experiences and the stories that you've had? Are you going to use the opportunity to listen to people? To not push away a student when they ask a question. When they ask questions about world religion and sexual identity. Are you not going to push it away? Are you going to enter into the fray with them? Are you not going to get frustrated when you go, you're just not getting it? That's a generational mindset. And, and listen, 
for our church, for our church, the next generation's faith is worth everything. Okay? We will do everything as a church short of sin to get the next generation. Okay? And here's what that will mean. That will mean things like last night. That will mean things like serving for things that have nothing to do with us. That will mean us doing things in our service that maybe we just don't like or don't understand. You know, I, I, you know people are like, why do we need haze? Why do we need screens? Why does Josh sit on a stool? Like, we do those things. And here's the thing. If you like everything about our church and you're over 30, we're doing it wrong. Okay? We are. I'm 43. I don't like everything about our church. I love our church. But there's things that we do that I'm like, I don't know that I like that. But do you know what doesn't matter? It doesn't matter what I think. Because what matters is, and I tell our team this all the time. I, tell, I told our elders this this past week in our elder meeting. Here's my goal. My goal. When we moved here, so I'm 43, my goal was this idea. That I'm spending the next 22 years helping us to lay a foundation that in 22 years we're going to hand off to someone in their 30s that's going to take it to a place that we've never been that's even better. Now, for that to happen, that's a generational mindset. That's what God calls us to as families and as churches. It's this idea of being the hero behind the hero. Right? I mean, think about it. Think about all the, movie, all the stories we love. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. I mean, all, all those kind of movies. Rocky. I mean, you always, there's the hero behind the hero. Some of us really want to be the hero. But actually, we're called to be the hero behind the hero. We're the Yoda and Gandalf that shows up at the right time. Now, did they listen? No, Luke didn't listen. Otherwise, we would have had like a five-minute movie. When your kids don't listen, the next generation isn't going, always going to listen. And we're not going to get it right. Here's the thing about parenting, that you just really, you need to give more grace to yourself than what you're giving. You're doing your best. Most of the time, you're just trying. Here's why, here's why this matters too, okay? One of the things that Katie and I did this past year is we tried to go to as many small groups as we could. And one of the things that I loved was being able to just sit in people's houses, hear your stories, hear where you've been. And do you know, there, there's one consistent story in our church if you're over 50. And, and here's the consistent story if you're over 50. Is that you love Jesus and you love this church, but there is a very good chance that your kids and grandkids don't go to church. As I heard story after story through tears and, and talking about prayers that you are just clinging to and promises of God you're clinging to. And just as I, as, just as I processed that, as I continued to pray through that and journal through that, one of the things that just kept coming to mind is just this, this question, what if, what if that pain 
is the fuel for the story of our future as a church? What if our church was the church that your kids and your grandkids and people like them came to? What if the pain that you maybe have navigated, one, your story's not over, but two, what if that is what God wants to use in somebody else's life so that their story turns out different? See, that's the generational mindset that Moses is talking about. See, and, and here's the thing. You, this is why we want to be so intentional as a church and as families. Because do you know who else is intentional about their narrative and story? Marketers? Okay? Companies and corporations, they're, they're super intentional. Educators? Okay? Politicians are really intentional about their narrative. If you haven't picked up on that. Porn creators, they're really intentional. Anything that your kids can access on any social media app, they're very, very intentional. They've created whole algorithms. And here's what the church does, and here's what we as families do when it comes to our kids' spiritual journeys, is we go, I hope they find Jesus. Or, you know, it's just, it was so much easier to raise kids before. It was so much easier before. You know, like as a parent, like I, I look at my parents sometimes and I think, you guys have had it so much easier. <laughs> it's easy to think that. It's easy to think that it was just easier like way back in the day. But Moses says the command is intentionality. To not lose a generational mindset. And then he tells them this is what we're intentional with. Look at verse 4. He says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them on a, as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. So God really wants you to pay attention. He's calling you now. Okay? So don't miss them. I'm going to read this again because this is super important. Whatever that call is, this is really important, okay? This is so important. Like, if you're a parent, okay? If you're a parent, this is one of the most important verses in the entire Bible because we miss it. These words I'm giving to you are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. So first, Moses tells the nation of Israel, before you teach your kids and grandkids, you have to get it. Why? Because you pass on who you are, not what you say. If you say to your kids, hey, faith is really important, and then you never once open your Bible in front of them, they're going to look at you and be like, you are a liar. Oftentimes we'll say, you know, I want my kids to be in church with me so they can see me worship, which is an amazing thing. But guess what? They have watched you worship six and a half days already. They have watched you worship with your calendar and your bank account. They have watched you worship when you're sitting in front of the TV. They have watched you worship when your NFL team just wrecks your weekend. Oh, they know. They've watched you worship. They've watched you worship when you come home and you talk about work. That's you worshiping. 
You're telling them all about your loves six and a half days a week. And when you roll into church, if it doesn't line up with that, do you know what they say? You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. And so Moses says it has got to be infiltrated on your heart. And then you teach your kids and your grandkids. Because make no mistake, you're teaching values all the time. You're teaching values all the time. Everybody around you is picking up on it. And, And here's the thing that I've seen from so many parents. So many parents, we have goals for our kids. We have plans for their educational future, their sports future, maybe even their financial future. And most parents have zero plan for their spiritual future. Most of us have zero plan for that. And Moses says, write it on the doorpost. Look at where he says, repeat it to your children. Talk about it when you sit in the house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And you're like, I wonder, do we talk about it here? Are you lying down, walking, sitting, getting up? Repeat it to, repeat it to them. I remember as a student pastor talking to parents and they would say, well, you know, I just, like, I don't want to force God onto my kids. But you make them do homework. Like, you don't ever, we've never said this as a parent when our kids are like, I don't feel like doing homework. You're like, you know, that's probably fine. Like, that's cool. Like, you can go play Call of Duty. That's cool. But then... And, and here's why. Here's why. I think one of the reasons that, that we don't with our kids is because it has not infiltrated our lives. God has not grabbed a hold of us. It is just something we do. See, and this matters because you're going, your kids are going to end up somewhere. And I want you to hear this. This is really, really important, okay? This is really important. There is a difference between getting your kids to behave and be morally upright citizens and getting Jesus in their hearts, okay? There is a difference between getting your kids to behave and not throw a temper tantrum in the cereal aisle and getting Jesus in their hearts. They are not the same thing. And some of us as parents, one of the things that that I've had to confess of often is I am sometimes more focused on getting my kids to behave and not embarrass me and do what I want than actually getting Jesus in their hearts. And, and, And here's where it starts. Is Jesus in yours? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength? Because the first follower of Jesus probably that your kids met was you. The first disciple that you're creating as a parent is your kids. We multiply who we are. And maybe today, as a parent, no matter the age of your kids, maybe part of what you need to confess today is, God, I actually went after them just being morally upright people, 
and not after getting you in their hearts. So Moses says, love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we teach it to our kids. We teach it to our grandkids. When we get up, when we walk, when we go along the way. So here's the question as we close. Are you being intentional about the right things as a parent? No matter the age of your kids. Are you being intentional about the things that, that God has called you to? Whether you have kids or not. See, healthy families, healthy people are intentional about the right things. And Moses tells us the right things are the eternal things. They're the eternal things. See, your kid, they can grow up, they can vote the right way, they can have an amazing career, they can have a perfect house, they can have a great retirement fund, and everything that you ever hoped for them, and end up in hell. Does that bother you as a parent? So Moses says, healthy families, healthy people are intentional about the right things, and the right things are the eternal things. So here's how I want us to close today. On, on your Connect card, you'll notice there's a, a box with a Next Step email. And here's what we're going to send to you tomorrow. I didn't get to like half of my notes. So, um, but tomorrow we're going to send to you one thing that's going to help you whether you're a family or not. If you're a family, what it's going to help you to do is to think through what is it that you're actually passing on to your kids. If your kids are grown, it's going to help you to think through this mindset of how do I influence them when they're out of the house? How do I have an influence on my grandkids? What is it that I hope they know? What is it that I hope that God does in their life? And it's going to help you if you don't have kids to think through what is it that God has placed in my story that I'm so passionate about that he wants to use in the next generation and the people around me. Because one of the things that we're called to, I hope you're, I hope you're picking up on it, but we are called as families and as churches to have a generational mindset. It does not come naturally to us. We are self-centered people. We like what we like and we want it our way all the time. But God has called us to something bigger than just our lives. And so as we close, we're gonna sing a song that, that you probably know if you've been here before. It's one we've sung numerous times. It's called The Blessing, and it's, it's just a song that we're going to use as a prayer today. Because it talks about just this prayer of us asking God to move in the generations to come. And so I want to pray for us. I'm going to pray specifically just that we have this generational mindset because God's called us to something bigger than, than what we often go after. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you put into your word that it is not just about our lives. God, you call us as a church, first and foremost as a church, you call us to be about ages and life stages that are often not our own. 
you call us to think in three and four generations. And God, we want to be a church. We want to be families. We want to be groups of friends that think in generations. Whether we realize it or not, God, we know that our choices that we make today, the choices that we're going to make in the next year, are going to be felt generationally because we feel the choices that people made before us. And so, God, I pray right now for the families that are starting out, the families who have young kids, who have teenagers, the ones who are in the throes of it right now. God, I pray that they would have the, the grace, the courage, the energy that they need to parent intentionally. God, I pray that, that the people in our community right now, the people in our church that that are older, that just have more time, God, that they would just have a heart to come around those families, to walk with them. God, we need the wisdom of people who have walked before us. We need to hear the things that worked and the things that, that they wish they could redo. God, I pray that that, that that heartache, we know that you redeem, but God, we pray that that would just be the fuel for the future of what you want to do through people. And God, I pray especially for families who, who feel like it's over or they missed it. God, I pray that you would remind them that it isn't over. The power of the resurrection is that there's always hope. So we remember in communion that there is always hope. So God, we give ourselves to you. We sing this song as a prayer, asking, pleading for generations to come. In your name, amen.